everyone. I'm John Marvin, your host of Insight, a podcast series dedicated to learning about the challenges and opportunities in the optical and optometric industry. Hello, this is John Marvin, and we're back with another episode of Insight, where we talk about the optometric industry and all the things that are going on today in this profession. Uh, Today, we've got back for a second round our guest, Steve Poley with iCare Pro. Steve was with us in an earlier episode, and we kind of ran out of time and felt like there was an awful lot that yet to be covered. And uh, so we invited Steve to come back, and uh, thank you for taking time, Steve, to join us again. It's always nice to be here. Well, I want to pick up at the end of the last episode when you were on, we talked about how the website relevance has changed and that uh, used to be you could um, populate a bunch of keywords and meta tags and that would have a direct impact on the visibility of that website. But as you pointed out in that end of that episode, that's all changed today. Another thing that you and I've talked about before, and that is the change of advertising on the web. Talk a little bit about how what you've seen over the last three to five years, how advertising on the web has uh, is totally different today than it was before. I think the big change has been the you know, use of keywords. Uh, three, four years ago, we could put a bunch of keywords on a page and rank pretty high in the in the most all of the web indexes. So if you're an eye doctor, you can put eye doctor like six or seven times on the home page, and you were pretty sure to be ranked up on the first page. Well. What's happened is everything's gotten smarter. Google's smarter, consumers are smarter, there's a lot smarter technology we're all using, and and it's no longer about how many times a keyword appears on the page. And what Google is saying is, oh, anybody can say eye doctor. I want somebody who's a real eye doctor, who's really involved. So the advertising has gone much past the keyword seeding on a page. And so what other things now are coming to play? If I'm gonna advertise on the web, what advice do you give me as to how I can be real effective doing that? Well, Google's gotten really smart about caring for their customers. Their customer is a person searching. And generally, they're searching for an eye doctor near me. Not a great deal of sophistication to it. And Google's saying, I want to show somebody the answers, the best answers for eye doctor near me. So the very first thing they want to know in, in the the ranking of your office and your your presence on the web, are you near them? So does your website talk about your location? Does it describe accurately where you are? And then it's going to, they're going to want to know, are you really an eye doctor? Now, it's just not going to be that keyword on the page. It's going to be, what do other people think about you? Are you getting good reviews as an eye doctor? Because if you've got reviews that are not so good, Google's going to say, well, you're not so hot, so I'm not going to show you on the first page for my customers. So the, the whole idea of advertising has gone well beyond matching keywords on a, on a home page. What about buying banner ads or video roll, you know, pre-rolls on videos and things like that? There, there's a real presence for awareness advertising. And if you're in a, a community where there's 10 eye doctors near me and you're one of those 10 choices, you may want to create awareness for yourself on an ongoing basis. But here's what we found. In any given community, neighborhood, where there may be three or four eye doctors, there are 2,000 people a month searching for an eye doctor in that 30 days. Now, where do you want to spend your money? 
Do you want to build awareness up? If you've got a lot of money to spend, I think you ought to be in magazines and put everything up there that gives you continuous awareness. Or do you want to be right there, front and center, where a patient is searching for an eye doctor near me and all they want to see is your phone number? So if you want to be where patients are ready to buy, you want to be in keyword search where they're saying, I'm looking for an eye doctor near me. Or if you got a lot more money, then I suggest you start building up your awareness program. But for my money, you want to be front and center where those 2,000 people are around every single community that are searching for vision care every month. You mentioned reviews. Talk a little bit about how they are important to your website visibility. Uh, well, you know, the reviews were, uh, at the beginning of the web, reviews were kind of uh, manipulated and you could put a bunch of phony reviews or hire some Chinese to do 2,000 reviews. Not anymore. Uh, interesting story, we were, we were at iCarePro, we, we were thinking, well, we'll just give the doctor a review from the iCarePro people. Well, guess what? We were, did some reviews and they got knocked off. Uh, we were not located near the eye doctor. And Google said, well, those reviews really aren't credible. Uh, and therefore, they didn't, rank, they didn't include those reviews. Reviews by Google are really credible. They know that a patient's been there. They know they've been close by. They, they may know you did a transaction there. And, and Google starts to take those reputational scores you have. And they're using them to decide who appears at the top of the page. You have a bad set of reviews, you, no matter how much money you spend on advertising, you're not gonna get to the top of that page because Google wants to show the best choice for iDoctor near me. And, and your reviews largely determine if you're the best choice. So knowing that you and I've had these types of discussions before, I, I spend time uh, just randomly searching and looking at people's reviews, iDoctors, Mm -hmm. uh, looking sure. at eye doctors yes. and their reviews and um, tells you how boring of a life I've got, right? <laughs> I spend my weekends looking at doctor reviews. But anyway, it's not uncommon to see a doctor with 4.9 out of 5 stars, but they've got seven reviews. And the most recent one is two years ago. How does, how does that affect its relevance versus someone with a 3.8 stars. Well, let me give you an example, because I, I think I know where okay. you're going. That, yeah. uh, I won't name the specific client, but there's a city where there's uh, two or three doctors in a very tight neighborhood community. And uh, one of the doctors who used to do really, really well has saw a big drop off on their traffic and their patients coming in. What's wrong? What am I doing wrong? Same beautiful office, great big parking lot, beautiful building. And I just didn't take me a few minutes to look on the web. So I searched eye doctor near this location and up popped this doctor, another doctor that had a 4.9 star rating and 300 reviews. And then I looked at the doctor who had the issue and this doctor had 2.1 stars and 10 reviews. And I said, you know, no matter, no matter what I do for you, I can't help you until we get more reviews for you. We've got to improve your reputation in the community as it appears online. And when we do that, everything else will work better for you. But you're losing now because 300 people have rated your competitor almost perfectly, and nobody is talking about you. So she, I think it's a she. You talked to me a little yes. bit about her. <laughs> she had um, 10 reviews. Yes. 
So when you've got a score like that with 10 reviews, how do you improve? I mean, I, I understand you can get 300 reviews by asking over a period of time, but what what is the relationship to how many good reviews do you get need to overcome 10 bad reviews? You need a lot. And it's it, you can get there. There's There are tools to help you get more reviews. And there's also some practices that you need to employ. For one thing, you need to ask your, your patients for a review. Now, if you had a bad experience or somebody is not happy with what they, they don't ask them for a review. I mean, your competitors aren't asking their customers for a, a review if they don't think they had a good experience. But if you think a client has had a good experience, I think you should ask them for a review. There are some tools out there that will allow you to instantly contact the, the patient. Hey, this is Dr. Steve, and you were just here, and he, he's asking if you'd leave him a review. And they're linked automatically straight to Google to give you a review. You can get your reviews up pretty fast, uh, particularly when you're seeing 10 patients a day. Uh, 50 a week, uh, 200, 200 a month, you can get that up there pretty quickly. Uh, but it won't move unless you ask for a review. The other thing, and I, I don't know if Google listens to your podcast, but I was uh, talking with a doctor down in the valley, and, and they were having difficulty with new practice and patients coming in. And I said, you know what the best thing you could do is invite your family and friends to the office on Saturday, a couple soft drinks and some cookies, and they'll be right there in your office and ask them to give you a review. They know you the best. They're the ones that should be talking about you. So get yourself 20 or 30 instant reviews. They'll be sent to over your Wi-Fi. Google will know that you're in your office. It will give them great credibility because they know it's a real review. And, and you'll get the increase that score. The other thing that's important about reviews is the recency of the review. And if you have reviews that are this week and this month, that counts a lot more than reviews that were two years ago. So you want more reviews, more current reviews. You need to stay on top of it. It's what powers your, your reputation on the web. Well, I know that they are uh, more and more important. In fact, I read an article recently that said a Google review now has more influence than the recommendation of a friend or a family member even. Yeah. The um, and certainly the weight of it. If you've got three, four hundred reviews, they're oh, going to carry yeah. a lot of weight. The other thing that counts a lot is if you'll respond to a review as a doctor. Now, not particularly you, the doctor, but maybe the office manager, or someone just to say thank you for your for coming in to see us, or or we'll have your uh, glasses ready. Be HIPAA compliant. But if you respond to the reviews, you'll get even more credit with reputational credit with Google. That's great. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. We are talking with Steve Poley with iCare Pro, and we'll be back in just a moment. Optometry Giving Sight is a global charity that funds the establishment of sustainable eye and vision care services so people in underserved communities can help themselves. It's more than just giving sight. It's about transforming lives. By donating, you'll provide funding to train and educate people to become practicing optometrists, as well as establish clinics and vision centers that provide local employment and access to affordable services. Optometry Giving Sight, transforming lives through the gift of vision. We're back talking with Steve Poley with iCare Pro, and we're talking about how advertising on the internet, using the web, 
the relevance of today's websites and how you can improve those, and overall how you can take advantage of the way people shop today, and that is using the internet. Uh, we just finished talking a little bit about the way advertising has changed. What impact has all of that had on kind of classic SEO? Because it's still talked about, and I think in many cases misunderstood. So how has that changed that? Interestingly, there's there's a lot of technical work that goes into optimizing the search rankings for a web page. And we at iCarePro worked very hard on the intricate details of, of getting that web page with a high a very high um, search ranking, ranking page quality score. The, the, but it's your web presence is now more than your web page. Uh, one of the most things that we've seen change in the last two years is Google My Business. I mean, it used to be a, a tool Google left to the doctors or left to the business owner, and the business owners largely ignored it because you guys have a business to run. And what recently happened is Google opened that up to other people to professionally administer your Google My Business website. And, and I'll just tell you that as an eye doctor, your Google My Business panel has 10 times the visibility of your website. You need a website. Don't, don't, I'm not underselling a website. But you also now, as part of search engine optimization, you must do Google My Business. It's just so visible, 10 times the visibility of your website. It's so convenient that, that when it shows up for a keyword search, which we optimize Google Business for, um, you just you dramatically increase your, your activity on the web. But beyond search engine optimization for just Google My Business, we also optimize web citations and web directories uh, that come back. We work with some of the social media, not as much with the social media uh, it's a longer-term building process. Uh, we're much more into patients today. We want patients to fill up your calendar this week. Now, Google My Business has been around a long time. Yes. And um, so what do you say to a doctor who says, well, I don't need to have you do that. I can do that. I, I, I think you can do that. It's, very, it's not rocket science to fill out the Google My Business forms. It's tough to do it consistently. And, and let me tell you, Google values the currency or the, the relevant, cur how current your Google My Business listing is. So if you set up your Google My Business last year and don't touch it for another year, you might as well not do it. I mean, Google values people that are providing current information to people looking for vision care. So if your photos are out of date or haven't been looked at or don't have as much traffic as an eye doctor down the street, if your, your service description no longer has a, relevant, a current doctor, uh, maybe your associate doctor left and their name is still in that paragraph. If uh, your keywords aren't optimized through, throughout Google My Business, if your reviews aren't current, it's, it's just, you're not gonna get anything out of it. But you can do your own Google My Business, that's fine. I don't think that a doctor wants to spend as much time as we spend optimizing uh, your web search. Uh, you guys just don't have the time that we have. Now, if I'm understanding correctly, uh, people can ask questions of the doctor and the office on Google My Business. Oh, yes, they can. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and people other than you can answer them. Is that right? So yes. <laughs> if I wrote on a doctor's page, what are your hours? Uh, or uh, do you carry some such and such frame, then uh, someone else could come and answer that with, well, all of their frames are terrible and 
they're not worth buying. Someone could do that? Yes. You, anybody can answer a question from another person on the web. And that's why it's important for you to pay attention to the, your Google My Business panel uh, on a weekly or a daily basis. We, we encourage people to send in questions. And, and sometimes other patients will answer very, very nicely. And sometimes they won't. And you want somebody to go on there and help you, alert you to the fact that somebody's asked you a question. And that by your responding to it quickly, you increase your relevance, you increase your currency, and you can get there before somebody else answers that question for you. Well, you mentioned earlier about responding to reviews. And I understood you to say, even if they're good reviews, it's important to respond. Yes, yes it Certainly is. Certainly, if it's not a good review, it's important to respond. So it sounds like this whole interactivity, engagement of the business with the customer uh, is rewarded by Google. Is that right? Absolutely. The, the, your search ranking in the top three uh, is based on your, your reputation and, and how active and engaging you are on the web. And, and I'll tell you why that's so important is that, that right now the patient kind of drives the search. I doctor near me, I doctor in Houston, I doctor, sometimes they'll even ask for a TSO I doctor. Um, but I think as voice search becomes more and more used by patients, uh, the answers come back, top three answers come back from a bot. And this algorithm has decided who's going to be seen by this patient's top three choices. And if you're not in those top three, you're never going to be seen. So. That whole idea of the currency and the relevance and the, how up-to-date your Google My Business panel is along with your website and your reviews and your citations on the web uh, becomes important because that's what the bot does. And it knows. It's not just a guess. So to be number one, two, or three, you, you know, you would have somebody either working for you or you're working very hard on it yourself. So what is the role of uh, social media in all of this? I attended a conference here recently, and uh, you would have thought that that was the magic bullet, that you got to get an Instagram page, and you've got to really build it up, and you've got to get a Facebook business page. Um, how do you see, no one ever talks about Twitter. I noticed that. No one, <laughs> no one talks about Twitter. But certainly Facebook and Instagram, even mm -hmm. some are big advocates for Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what is the role of social media in your view? I, I think there's a, an important place for social media, that if you're building up a long-term presence in a community and you're participating with the community, and I'll give you an example. If you go to a health fair at a local elementary school and you have a booth and you spend all Saturday morning there, I think you ought to post some pictures of, of how you're involved with the community. And I think that your, your reputation gets enhanced. But for my money, actually for your money, uh, the way I'm spending it for you, you have a choice. I can go on Facebook and I can buy a lot of visibility on Facebook and, and I can promote your reputation in the community. Or I know there are 2,000 people this month right around your office searching for vision care and all they want is a phone number and an office that's really close to work or home or school. And they want an eye exam and they want it this week and they're gonna book an exam. So for my money, I want to be with those 2,000 people searching for an eye exam. If you want to spend some of your money and build up a long-term reputation, I, that's good too. But if you don't dominate that search for an eye exam for this week right now for someone looking for your phone number, I think you're missing a big opportunity. But you can do both. 
or you can focus on one, or you can do a blend of some keyword search and some social media. I, I, do, I would prefer to dominate the somebody searching for a phone number looking to book an exam tomorrow. Does your engagement on social media impact your uh, Google visibility in search? It's a complicated uh, equation. And in your ranking on the web, I mean, some people who think they know what the Google algorithm is talk about two or 300 factors in search that how, how to cause your um, visibility to be high on the page. Um, what we're finding out with people who do experiments and testing, what is your reputation? What is your review score? How current is your activity on the web with photos and, and your website? And have you updated your hours? Are you answering questions in the Google My Business panel? That, that's where it all is. You, you want a social media page? You want to share some health fair table booth Saturday morning activity? I, I think you should do that. But in terms of where it really counts today, unfortunately, it's that Google review score. It's how active you are with posting current information. And you want to be right there at the time they're searching for that phone number. I doctor near me. And, and it pays off. So if you're going to do social media, is there um, a preference that you have for Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or all of the above? Or what do you think? I, I, as a doctor, I would do the one that, my, that I enjoy the most or my spouse, or somebody in my office who was in charge of it. If you don't enjoy doing it, you're not going to stay with it, and you're not going to be as involved. If you like Facebook, and you're doing a lot of health fairs, and you're doing the student uh, activities, I think you want to post them because you're comfortable with it. If you're not comfortable with Facebook, you need to hire some people to help you. We, I Care Pro, we can do that. Now, I, I look at a lot of Facebook business pages and optometrists, and I'll see that they have 93 followers yeah. and they've had their business page up for several years or maybe two or 300 followers. How does an office build up to really get a credible audience so that when they are sharing information, they're having a greater level of influence? I, um, I'll share with you one of the, the best things you can do as, a, as an office staff. And an, uh, you get vendors that call on you. To come in the door, probably two or three a week, and uh, oh my God, I got to listen to this sales pitch. You know what you ought to do is ask the the salesperson coming in the office. I want to take your picture, and I want to get a close up of your logo that's on your shirt, and I'm going to put it on my Facebook page. And you know what the vendor is going to say? Great, love it. I'm going to tell my boss I'm your new BFF. Now, what happens when you post that on your Facebook page is it now. You, the Alcon vendor was at my office showing me the latest contact lens information. Now, your reputation or the kind of information you're communicating to a patient says that I'm important. The Alcon manufact company calls on my office. They show me the latest information. If you come to my office for contact lens, I've got the best stuff. Now, when you start posting credible real information, pictures like the rep, um, you get, your reputation gets enhanced. Uh, it might even be shared when somebody's talking about contact lens, but you need to post relevant information, not just um, 
pictures of something that, you know, you just thought you could put up there. I like taking pictures of vendors. Uh, somebody else said they do unboxings, which is kind of an interesting thing where they get a, a box of new merchandise in before you put it on the shelf. If you've got somebody in your office who's really into Facebook, do a short unboxing video. Hey, we've got the latest lenses from Marshawn in. Look at these, the color. Uh, it's pretty interesting to some people, and they may choose you for their next eye exam. Well, that's, those are great ideas. Um, I think I should go back and ask Alcon for some sponsorship money. Um, and just to be clear, um, Marshawn doesn't make lenses. <laughs> they make frames. But I think we get what you're, you're, you're saying. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk to Steve about the, the growing use of artificial intelligence in, um, in healthcare. But we're going to be right back after this quick message. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. We're back with Steve Poley um, with iCare Pro. Uh, we're doing a follow-up to an interview we had done earlier, and we simply ran out of time talking, and I'm starting to get the idea that we might do that again for run out of time. But, uh, uh, but I do want to f- talk a little bit about artificial intelligence. You hear about it everywhere, it seems now. Um, there's all sorts of business applications of it. Um, Alexa is artificial intelligence in a format. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you see, how do you see artificial intelligence working out or being applied in healthcare? What are the various ways? Well, I think there, there are a couple of levels to it, some, some with the patient and certainly some in the business, and, and TSO is really far ahead in the business area. But let's talk about it in the patient for a moment. Um, the patient has Google working for them. If you think Google's working for us, they're not. They're working for the search person. And Google's using artificial intelligence to match up a person with whom they think there's a need and then Google can satisfy. satisfy. So if you're somebody who is searching for vision care, Google applies a lot of AI technology to say, where are you, who are you, what have you been interested in the past? And they're trying to match up search results so that the top three boxes give that search person uh, a really, some really good choices for care, for their, for their eye exam or go to say, eye doctor. So the most important part of AI in vision care are the tools that the patient has working for them. In voice search, when they say eye doctor near me, there's an incredible amount of AI work that's going on to make sure that the result that that person sees on their phone is in fact the best choices for them. And, and all that comes from the information that you, that you display on the web, uh, which we talked about earlier in this interview. Um, the next one that's really interesting in the application of AI is using it to improve your own office experience. And, and one of the things that we're finding out is that when patients call for an eye exam, not everybody books an eye exam. My famous line I like to remember is the TSO doctor that said to me, son, why would a patient call my office and not book an exam? (laughs) Uh, Two out of three times they don't (laughs) book an exam with you. But you don't have the time to understand why. 
And there's a whole host of reasons that that happen on that conversation that can cause the patients not to select you for an eye exam. And using artificial intelligence, you can highlight the calls that are really money calls, an eye exam call that failed to book in your office. And when you start to understand that, you can start to improve your old business. One of the things that I understand about artificial intelligence is made smarter with more data. Mm. And it's a gathering of data points and the, uh, the, the assimilation of those data points that causes the learning. And whether it's several thousand phone calls it listens to and learns as it goes and that words are coded and so forth, or it is gathering information through, about me as a customer from social media, from Google, from all these other points, along with photography that I've placed about myself. Uh, you can now, in some applications, your your photo gallery on your computer can recognize all the faces, and so it assimilates all those pictures in one. How do you see that type of application evolving in eye care, the delivery of eye care? Um, I, I've, I've read about some really fantastic uh, apps that will start to automatically match the best frames for your facial appearance to match your the, the shape of your face, which we knew all along was an important match, uh, your complexion color, and, and maybe even whether you had a whimsical character or a serious character. And, and I eventually, AI bots will make a really intelligent recommendation on the kinds of eyeglass frames that may best suit your character and your physical appearance. Uh, that stuff is coming that, that can really make the consumer much more intelligent about their choices. It seems like also because lens choices mm. often are made on lifestyle. Yes. I have a pair of lenses that I use in my office because they're the, the progressive uh, corridor, the, the near corridor is different because I need it because the computer's a different distance than when I drive. Um, I am an outdoor sports person, so I have a pair that I use on the water when I wow. fish and so forth. Mm -hmm. I, I could see not only could AI recommend the frame I should be buying, but also the lenses that I should have based upon its knowledge, maybe just simply asking me a few questions, could turn around and, and put together a recommendation. Um, I, I would like to stress, though, that AI requires a great deal of data. And it, it's, it's very possible to train a program to make those intelligent recommendations for the frames and the lenses. Um, but, but it's really hard. I'm not telling you we have an answer at iCare Pro. I'm just telling you that we have a startup of a program that can help us understand why patients are calling to book an exam and, and don't book an exam. And I think that as we improve that, that conversion ratio from an exam lead to a booked exam, we'll do a great deal of good for the doctor's office. But, but you're right, AI will go on from there to be the patient's best friend to make the most intelligent choices. And, and then, and then in Google will say, and if those are the correct uh, visionware for you, here are the doctors that carry that. <laughs> and it might not be your office if you don't carry it. Um, one of the most disheartening things that I discovered, largely from discussions with you, was that oftentimes the chat box that appears on websites
with a very friendly, helpful assistant asking me <laughs> questions about how they can provide me a level of service or help me pick out my choices and so forth, isn't a person at all. No, it's, it's not. It's a, it's a <laughs> robot or a, driven by artificial intelligence. And, and I can't tell you how stupid it made me feel after I had had this passionate discussion with a, a chat box only to find out later that I was either arguing or complimenting a machine. Um, we're using some of that, aren't we, in, in today's uh, Yes, we're, we're using some, some chatbots that have some program responses. Um, one of the things we found out is as hard as we work to make the website simple, patients want it even easier for them. So you may have a web page that says, here's the menu, and, and if you'd like to see all the insurances we have, just click on the insurance page or the merchandise page. And uh, what we're finding out is that we need a chat bot to help the visitor. And because what they'll do is they'll land on the homepage and they'll go, oh, I don't know where to go. And they'll type in the chat bot window, do take my insurance. And the bot is programmed to say, what kind of insurance do you have? And they'll say, uh, I, my husband has insurance. And they say, well, are the choices are, and we'll start to give them choices so they can select. But the initial part of the chat bot is able to help guide the person through the website you might think it's as easy to pick a menu choice, but they want it even easier. But I think that eventually the chatbots will go on to recognize uh, fluent language and be able to answer the questions even better. But with voice search, they, they just, I doctor near me, here's a phone number, click the call, and then your operator is the one who's going to make finish that transaction. So we're just about out of time again. But before we go, I do want to touch on one last thing, and that is the growing, the growing use of mobile and mobile phones and smartphones and more so than tablets, correct? Absolutely. So how is that impacting all that you do or what a doctor should be aware of when they go about addressing a lot of these issues, the website, the Google My Business and so forth, knowing that what, what percentage are using mobile phones now instead of computers? Right now, 60% of the traffic coming into the websites is mobile. And if the, mo if the website is not optimized for a small screen mobile phone, you'll lose them right away. And the, the issue is that, that you have to be very direct on that small mobile screen because they're looking for a couple things right away. Where are you? Who are you? Where's your phone number? They're not going to swipe down the screen more than two or three times. So if you've got a website that takes 19 swipes to get to the bottom where the phone number is, you're losing. So you've got to optimize it for mobile. You've got to make it fast for mobile. And you have to make it very clear and concise. Um, again, more literature on the, this, this subject. More and more people are using a smartphone as their only computer. Oh, yes. They don't have <laughs> desktops at home. They don't have... Uh, laptops, they just use their phone. Or they don't have printers. And if you have a button on your website that still says, print out these forms and bring them to me, <laughs> they don't have a printer. That's a great point. That's an excellent point. Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming back for a second round. Uh, this has been, again, fascinating and very good information. And um, I appreciate the time you've taken. I enjoyed being here. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes. We're just about ready to wrap up our first season and um, got a lot of exciting things coming up. So stay tuned. If you have any questions, you can reach us at producer at insightpodcast.com. 
Or if you've got suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear, the same email, producer at insightpodcast.com. Well, that's all for today's show. This is John Marvin, and we want to thank you for listening.